Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. Welcome to this episode of the Sale Ring Podcast Show. Trina, how are you? How was your weekend? My weekend was amazing. I don't think we've talked since the Chiefs actually won the Super Bowl last time, which I was super excited about. Man, this town lit on fire when that Yeah. Happened. The parade, they, almost a million people downtown. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I didn't go. No, <laughs> I had no no part of a million people <laughs> were, is in my repertoire. There was, uh, there was everything from parties to uh, good times to light vandalism happening y- yep, down there. Yep. So it was... Uh, it was interesting times, to say the least. Light vandalism. Are you referring to your truck being I, vandalized? I am referring to my truck being vandalized. Nice. A brand new pickup. Somebody elected to knock the window out of it and take my gym bag out of the back. And the only way I knew my gym clothes were missing is my wife told me that I didn't have them back there anymore. <laughs> so I hadn't put them on in a long time. Nice. Oh, man. We have a great show today. This is going to be a fun one. Uh, land and land something that I'm passionate about. I know you and I have a lot of conversations about land and our sponsor, United Country Real Estate, is the largest land seller in the U.S. In the studio, we've got some land experts. Okay. And I'm pretty excited about Mr. Lou Jewell. And Teresa Martin, they're out in Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. They're going to join us here in the studio. Guys, how are you today? We're doing great. We're so excited to be on your show. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. I uh, hope you guys are. Yeah. I love that accent. I'm doing I do well. Too. I do, too. I love that. I know. That's I'm awesome. I'm a country girl. I love <laughs> it. I love it. You're going to fit right in on this show. We, we've got a great episode. I, cannot, I said I cannot hide it. It just comes out. Well, it's a welcomed addition to the Sail Ring Show. This podcast has been gaining a lot of strength and momentum. And one of the topics that tends to resonate with the audience out there is land. Land can be pretty diverse. Farms, ranches, timberland, even into smaller acreage, vineyards, wineries, kind of specialty properties. But Lou Jewell and Teresa Martin, they are land specialists. And what I'd like to do, Lou, I've got a long, long resume for you here. But why don't you tell us a little bit? Start with Lou. Tell us how you got in the land business, a little bit about just what you do, your qualifications, and tell us something about Lou. Yeah, no problem. I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. My mother's family is in this area uh, going back to uh, the early, uh, actually middle 1800s. They, my great-grandfather and grandfather between 1909 and 1929 bought 18 rural farms, non-contiguous, but all in the same area, amounting to about 900 acres. Uh, mother was one of 10 children and uh, born in 1911, uh, but uh, all that has passed down. We're almost five generations of passing that uh, original property down, and not one individual outside the family has uh, ownership. Wow. So growing up in school, uh, they would bring me up during the summer, and I'd stay with my uh, aunt and uncle and nephews, which were next to my granddaddy's house, and, and uh, we did tobacco and soy, and we had a dairy, over 600 heads that we had to milk, and you know, and uh, uh, learned about the country. Very cool. Are you from that Pilot Mountain area? Is that is that where your family's you know, all from? I, I grew up in Charlotte, uh, but my mother's family is from this area. And my dad, when he came out of the Marines, my grandfather was state senator, and he couldn't find a job. And they started the 
North Carolina Highway Patrol. And uh, he went to my dad's office and said, I can't find a job. He says, no problem. Picked up the phone and called George. And George, my son and my son over, signed him up. My dad says, for what? He says, you're going to be a highway patrolman in the state of North Carolina. And he was assigned to this rural county that my mother's family, so that's, they met at a county fair back in probably 1932, 33, something like that. 1932 county fair. That's awesome. Yeah. Miss Teresa, tell us a little something about yourself. Well, I don't talk as much as Lou, and I don't know as much as Lou, but I like hanging out with Lou. I've been selling real estate now just for a couple of years. I, I had a sign company, and I actually leased Lou's office to him, and I listened to them, and they're having a lot of fun, and me working my tail off and not having any fun. So I decided I wanted to sell real estate, and Lou has helped me get involved and I have really enjoyed it. I've been selling just uh, almost two years now, and I like to hang out with Lou, and he's good to learn from. He's got he's a wealth of information, and I'm just so happy here. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you on the show. You're in good company. Uh, Lou has been um, a longtime friend, and, and we've gotten to know each other through some of the stuff that we'll talk about on the show today, like the Realtors Land Institute, United Country, and some of the things that may pop up. We, we have some paralleled uh, relationships or, or memberships, associations that we have uh, gotten to meet each other through at various times. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show. We're excited to have you both on the show. We have just kind of a big block letter here. It says land education. Well, land education, that's a pretty bold statement, but here's where I'd like to start the conversation is, Lou, tell us a little bit about just specific market segments or disciplines that you tend to focus on in land education or that you specialize in. No problem. First of all, I got my license in uh, 1994 and Pilot Mountain, we're Teresa and I work and live is a town of about 1,280. We're incorporated uh, back in the the late 1800s. We actually have a physical mountain uh, that joins the town that's uh, called Pilot Mountain. It's a state park now. And if you listen to the Andy Griffin show, uh, of course, Andy Griffin was from Mount Airy, which is about 12 12 miles northwest of us. And um, uh, they called the show Mayberry. Mm-hmm. And then Barney would go to Raleigh or go to Mount Pilot. Well, it's not Mount Pilot, it's Pilot Mountain, but in the Andy Griffith show. So uh, we've gotten a lot of notoriety over the years. And actually, Mount Airy, population about 9,000 in the county of about 78,000, has been several times voted as the small best small town in the USA. So uh, it's quite a, we're right at the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountain. How far away is Mount Airy from Pilot Mountain? about 12 miles and we're located about a hundred miles north of Charlotte. So Charlotte's on the South Carolina border. We're on the Virginia border. So uh, that part of the state is about a hundred miles across, but being in different other vocations, uh, living here, I decided some friends of mine owned a small real estate firm. And, uh, they said, uh, I was tired of in the printing industry and I was tired of running for 500 miles a year. And I, they said, why don't you get your real estate license? Well, in a small community, you know, we still sell houses, but we only have 773 houses on water and sewer. So there's not a tremendous amount of opportunity there other than spreading out. But, you know, you tend to sell more land and farms. So with my background with my family and getting my license and specializing in land, one of the first things I learned to do was subdivisions. 
and I've done over 60 rural subdivisions over the years. Huh. And the way I got started was the company had done some, but a friend of mine, I was doing some business with him, and he was a member of the Realtors Land Institute. He says, hey, we've got a class, a subdivision class in Winston-Salem coming up. Why don't you come down and take it? It's a two-day, two 16-hour course. And I did, and that gave me the confidence to uh, go out and proceed my career. But what I found is in our industry, guys, uh, there's no land education per se. Uh, when we go to real estate school, I know, uh, Teresa, how many hours did you do? 180 hours? Yes. And then that's to get your provisional license. And then what do you got? That's how to stay out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. And then you get, <laughs> then you got three more 30 hour classes to become a broker, right? And that's more of how to stay out of trouble. Exactly. Mm-hmm. How much time do they spend with you on land? Not much. Um, I ask about land and it basically goes back to law because it's all about law and real estate. People don't realize how easy it is to get into trouble. So mm-hmm. I try to stay out of trouble. So far, so good. <laughs> But noticing that uh, the only the only organization out there is the Realtors Land Institute. We're about 77 years old, 78 years old. We're part of the National Association of Realtors. We have about 1,300 members nationwide. We have uh, 16 chapters. Uh, I've been the president of our uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, call it the Carolinas chapter several times over the years. And we provide 10 classes. They're two-hour classes. They're tested at the end. One of them actually is a three-day class. It's a spreadsheet class for land-producing uh, products. And uh, you have to do 10 million in sales. And it's uh, we have about 500. I'm an accredited land consultant. Got it 2004. We have about 500 ALCs in around the country. So uh, other than that, there's no land education. Uh, so I created in North Carolina, we have 111,000 licensed agents now in North Carolina. But uh, we have to have eight hours of continuing education to keep our license active or $45 to pay to the commission by June 30th to be inactive. But uh, anyway, we have uh, eight hours of continuing education. Four hours is for everyone. It's uh, the general information, new updates, new laws, new procedures. Uh, And then you've got four hours of elective, of which there's over 300 titles. But it all deals with houses, 95% of us with houses. Well, well, I, I think, created a four-hour seed class that was approved by North Carolina called Introduction to Land Brokerage. And hey, I Lou, teach that through our MLS offices. I think that's a problem industry-wide is most of this education out there is focused on the residential sectors yeah. versus the land sector. I want to back up just a little bit. Let's talk about the accredited land consultant that's offered, that designation offered through the Realtors Land Institute. How much property total dollars worth of land or ranch or farm properties do you have to broker to qualify for that 10 million dollars million, and that could be a buyer's agent seller agent or dual agent if it's a farm the land has to be uh, worth at least 80 percent of the total purchase price to qualify all right and what is the time period that you yeah, have to do that, to say, that is that a year or is that <laughs> if there's, there's no time period it took me five years uh we don't mm-hmm. offer that many classes, so you end up traveling to Atlanta or traveling to Kansas or traveling to California or traveling to, uh, you know, wherever the classes are held. Uh, you have to have six classes. Three of them are required. One of them is the class that I've been teaching since it came out in 2003 called uh, Land 101. It's a two-day, 16-hour base class. I just taught it in Tulsa last fall and in Nashville, North Carolina a couple weeks later. And, you know, we usually get about 
30 to 50 people that come to our classes, which is a good class. And Teresa's going to start working on hers this year. Yeah. Well, Teresa, you're working on your ALC designation? Well, I'm attempting. I've got a long way to go. <laughs> that's all right. You got to start somewhere, correct? Yeah, that's a lot of work. People don't realize the time and commitment that there is involved in this. And I'm, I'm working on it. It there took me go. five years to get my ALC. Uh, not so much the sales, I pretty much had those, but just to get all the class requirements in. And since then, they now have uh, created a final class, the final test, after you've completed your three required courses and then three elective courses. And then you have to be sponsored by an ALC. I write letters all the time mm-hmm. uh, for people that's completed their courses. And then they uh, that goes before our board of directors for approval. So... Uh, like I said, we've got about 500. You can find all of us on www.rliland.net, especially if you're looking uh, for a good real estate land broker. Uh, that's the place to go. And, of course, United Country. We've got some good training, too. Yeah, and that is a goal of mine to become an RLI. I admire Lou and all the time and dedication and work that he put into it. And I'm right in the best spot to, to learn and, and to become an RLI member. So ALC, that'd be great. Sorry, Teresa, I didn't mean to cut you there. Uh, Lou, you said you do a class called Land 101. What exactly, like what kind of topics are you covering in Land 101? It's just the basic. It's the different types of land. Of course, highest and best use is the most important part of any uh, evaluation of land. Uh, we talk about the 1031 Lycon exchange, the three different types of exchanges. We talk about soils. We talk about forestry. Like I said, we, we have a forestry class. We have an agricultural class. We have a recreational class. That's a brand new one because recreational land is hot as heck right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a 1031 class that we offer. We have a transitional land class that we offer. So my class, the Land 101 class, and there's about five of us that are certified to teach the course. So I'm not the only one, but it just covers the basics to get you get your feet wet on what I spend 16 hours doing, you'll spend 16 hours in the specialty, like uh, the, the, the agriculture class, for example. That, that's outstanding. Lou, while we're talking about it, um, we've got RLI, the Realtors Land Institute. I believe their convention uh, is coming up. They call it the National Land Conference. And tell us real quick where that's taking place at. And, and I don't know if you know the dates of it. It's at the Alamo. The Alamo. But it's nice. uh, <laughs> no, it's in San Antonio, nice. uh, where the Alamo is located. But it's the last week in March. I think it's, I've got to go down two days early because instructors, we have to sit through uh, eight hours of uh, continuing education uh, to keep our instructors license certified. So I'll be down there from uh, the 25th and be back on the 31st, or actually April the 1st. So it's a three-day, two-and-a-half-day conference. Of our 1,300 members, we'll have about around 400 from all over the country and outside the United States too. And it is jam-packed with the top people in our industry with the top topics. So whatever's hot, uh, we've got an expert that does seminars. We do uh, uh, land sales. Uh, We'll actually, people will bring in and have up to two minutes, three minutes to present their property to the audience. And then the uh, once those are presented, then it's called haves and wants. So the haves will talk about their listings and the wants to talk about their buyers. And traditionally, we'll do about a billion dollars worth of uh, identified business in about two hours. Wow. So that's kind of one of the highlights and uh, gets everybody charged. 
We also, on our website, uh, are, we're able to post our listings. Uh, we have over 4,500 listings, I think, right now on the website from the uh, ALCs and from the RLI members. So uh, uh, it's, it's quite an event. And, uh, and, of course, we've got wonderful sponsors like United Country. Thank you for uh, supporting us and others uh, in the industry, the mapping services and, you know, the vendors that service the uh, service our industry. So uh, we used to have our land conferences at the National Association of Realtors annual meeting. And then, of course, we have the mid-year in Washington every year. So we would have another meeting there. And about 20 years ago, we decided that we'd just have our own conference. And so I think this is number 20 that, uh, that we're having coming up at the end of this month. That's outstanding. That's a large land conference. It's coming up the last week of March, the Realtors Land Institute's National Land Conference. We're going to slip away here from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Lou Jewell and Teresa Martin. Stay tuned. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Buying great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday, so register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. Man, we're back in the studio with Lou Jewell and Teresa Martin, Pilot Mountain, North Carolina. They have a United Country office out there. They're land brokers, land specialists, and we've had a good conversation uh, prior to the break out there about land education, some of the courses you teach. But Lou and Teresa, I'd like to talk more specifically now about the land market. What's going on in your area? Are there property types that are hotter or more in demand than other property types, maybe recreational over farm, or can you give us a little bit of a, kind of just an intro into the land market around your area? Sure, no problem. We're actually um, outside of Winston-Salem, and we cover uh, basically Surrey County and Stokes County, uh, and then I'm licensed in Virginia, so I cover the southern counties in Virginia. And, for example, in Surrey County, population about 78,000, about 85% of its farms. Land-wise, it's more than that. It's probably closer to 98%. Uh, 
same thing in, in, in the rural farm areas. So, you know, a lot of people still have jobs. They'll work at R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company during the day, but they'll have their hobby farm or their farm that they inherited from their, their family and, um, and do that in the evenings and on the weekends. And so, you know, we, we see a lot of uh, agricultural land. Uh, we don't have the big, large tracts because we're so old. You know, the colonies, we were one of the first colonies founded. And like in my family, we we're on five generations passing down 900 acres without selling any outside. But, you know, people will call us and want the 1,000, 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 acre farms. We just don't have that in, in our market area. They've all been divided up. But what we've seen pretty consistent growth over the years. If I'll take one track that my grandfather bought back in 1929, it was 300 acres, all timber on the Fisher River, one of our many rivers here. And he paid $3,500 for it, which was $11 and 77, 78 cents an acre. The timber has been actually cut on it twice. It's in the forestry deferment. So the taxes on it is $280 a year. And if I put it on the market right now, we'd probably get about 5,000 an acre. And if you do the math on that from 1929 till today, you're looking at about six, between five and 6% growth annually. What's wrong with this picture? So, you know, land's the best investment that is out there. Around 2014, prior to that, when we had what I call the funny money around, uh, you get up here on the Blue Ridge Parkway, just north of us, and you might have a hundred acre track and, you know, we were marketing it around five or 6,000 an acre. And the further west you went, once you got over the Boone area, which is uh, Appalachian State University and uh, several ski lodges up there as the secondary travel point, you know, you might see 30,000 an acre and you get over to Asheville and it was $60,000 an acre and you may have one building site on 100 acres. Uh, it was crazy, uh, the money that was flowing around out there. They used to call uh, the Golden Triangle, Greenville, Spartanburg, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, and Asheville, the Golden Triangle, because uh, land prices just went crazy for just mountain land. Not, this isn't farm-producing land. But around 2014, we had a big drop in the, the commodities market internationally, which affected, obviously, all of the big farmers in the Midwest and out your way, but it also trickled down to our area here, uh, where we were seeing a 10-acre track, Teresa was going for maybe 4,000, 5,000 an acre, it kind of got down to 3,800, 3,600, like that for the same land in the same area. But since then, with the good economy that we have now, we're probably back up to where we were, uh, that four and 5,000 an acre for quality land. Yeah, quality. and then there's the ones like that 10-acre track that you sold for 100,000. So there's some good. Yeah. There's some. Well, we're, we're closing on six. 16 acres for 425,000 right. right. that's on the Yakin River, which is kind of crazy. The Sale Ring, online at www.thesalering.com. That seems like a ton of money for land out there. Teresa, I'd like to ask you, since you're in the land business, and, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about the radio show here in a minute, too, but I, I wanted to ask you, what do you specialize in? When you go out to, uh, to kind of target listings out there, what do you like to list and sell? Well... I do some houses. I really enjoy land. I just, Lou has a listing that I spent some time on this weekend. It's in Virginia. It's a 60-acre farm with a little old farmhouse, and it's got a beautiful river running around it, and it, it's fun to sell land because your office is outside by the river or in a field or hiking around the woods 
it's a lot of fun. So I really enjoy selling land. I saw one tract of land to a guy that he is from Florida, but he's starting a vineyard in our area because North Carolina is becoming more popular for wine. So he has, he bought some land and it was really interesting because his family, and I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but we've got a place out here called the Biltmore House and Garden. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's a huge, it's in Asheville. And his family was the family that started the vineyard at the Biltmore House and Garden. So I was really pleased that I could help this gentleman to get his vineyard started. He's starting a boutique vineyard over in Jonesville. So I found him a little 10 acre track and that was lots of fun. And then I've sold quite a bit of recreational land as well. It sounds like maybe you're the areas you kind of like to specialize in are homes that are on an acreage, country homes, homes. uh, specialty properties, vineyards, wineries. Is that kind of your target? Yes. And I recently sold a a farm. It was a small farm. It was a hobby farm, I guess you would say. It was like a 30 acre track with a, a big house on it and lots of barns and perfect for cattle and horses. And the, the family that bought it actually is doing organic farming, and they do uh, organic cattle and stuff like that. Very cool. Well, the two of you work together. Let's talk a little bit about your radio show, Let's Talk Land. That's the name of the radio show that you've got in North Carolina. How did you get into that? Well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, you know, there's no land education out there other than RLI. And a friend of mine, uh, was helping a radio station started in 1963. It's the oldest AM station uh, in the area. It's about 10 miles from our office between here and Winston. And it's a beach music and oldie station. It's been gospel. It's been a lot of things, but it's like walking into a museum, right? Teresa, you walk back there and you see the old clay records and the reel to reel tapes and the splicers and some of the microphones. And, and it's really neat place, but I've done several uh, radio shows over the years, just onesies where people like you guys have invited me to be on, but uh, my buddy says, why don't you do a radio show on land? So I went down and met with Rodney that you guys had met the other day. Yeah. And uh, he said, you want to do a half an hour? Or you want to do an hour? And I said, hell, I can't even get started in half an hour. So since then we've done, Teresa, we, uh, your show was uh, show number 98. So we've done 98 shows so far. Nice. Uh, we interview people from all over the world, anything to do with land. We've concentrated on RLI, we dedicated, actually, I dedicated to RLI, the show, and we um, have covered all of our instructors by topic, uh, the forestry instructor, the timber instructor, the 1031 instructor, and so on. We've uh, Russell Riggs, who's our head lobbyist in Washington for the land people. Uh, he comes on. He'll be on after the uh, Texas uh, convention. I'll have him on a week after that. So he's done a couple shows. We've done crowdfunding. We've done some of the organizations, farm management. We've done uh, several of the professors at the university, carbon credits. We've done three shows on carbon. Teresa, we've done, what, uh, three on marijuana and hemp farming. So uh, it sounds... Different sources and different perspectives. So anything to do with land. Sounds like there's a lot of different segments out there on land. Tell us how we could listen to that radio show. If I'm out here, you know, we're in the Kansas City market. How would I get access to that show? Well, there's several ways it's broadcast. We tape it on Wednesdays, but it's broadcast on Saturday mornings on WKTE 1090 AM. And they can go to their website, WKTE1090.com, 
and there's a link to um, Simple Radio app. So you can download the Simple Radio app on your computer or your phone, and you can listen to the show every Saturday live from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Once the show has been broadcast, we download it on the master website, which is letstalkland.net. We also put it on Spotify and Podbean. So those are your sources. Nice. Very nice. Very cool. We got to get on there, Trina. Listen to the uh, yeah, Let's listen, Talk Land radio show. They were show. nice enough to have us on, so that should be the first one we listen yeah, to I'm, probably. I'm afraid the ratings may drop now <laughs> since know, we were sorry, on there Lou. about a week ago. We were on that radio show. And and by the way, we appreciate that. Yes. It was a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, I want to talk to you about your ratings, so uh, we won't do that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, they may be reflective of uh, our ratings on this podcast. So we get it. We get it. You're listening to the Sale Ring Podcast, taking real estate and auction to the next level. So here's something that I'm a little bit passionate about. We talked about the, uh, and I thought about this after the fact, we talked about the National Land Conference with the Realtors Land Institute. They have a large fundraising auction every year. And I have, uh, as well as my my counterpart out here, partner in crime, Mr. Jimmy, Jimmy Dean Coffee. Jimmy Dean and I have conducted the Cowboy Auction, the benefit auction at the National Land Conference for the past several years. And that's going well. You know, we're, we're generating a lot of funds out there for real estate education, land education. And uh, I just kind of wanted to talk about auctions a little bit on this show. Lou, what do you see in your area with auctions, land auction opportunities? What's, what's going on in your own company with the auction services? Well, we just got our company license uh, in November. We're actually licensed in the state of North Carolina. Now, we're not criers. Uh, we don't cry auctions. Uh, we're actually uh, joint venturing with uh, one of our sister offices, Matt Gallimore, up in Virginia, who's mm-hmm. quite, a, uh, quite a background in auctions. So we can line up the auction, and then we can also uh, have him come in and cry the auction for us. So we're real excited about that. Um, one of the things that we're looking at that, that, uh, that Matt brought to the table in our sales meeting was the housing market is so hot right now. And, you know, we'll, we'll list a house and put a sign up on it. And in what, Teresa, two days, it's shown that one you just did, what? And that's a $400,000 house. Yeah. Well, I got to be proud about that one because it was on the market for two years and I had it for one week and sold it. Nice. Very nice. But one of the things, yeah. Yay. Yay me. (laughs) But but one of the things we're talking about is when we go interview a client for listing their property is that we offer the auction up first. In other words, instead of listing it, and MLS and putting the sign up in the open houses is actually having an auction. And uh, Gallimore's done several of these. And what you're finding, you know, when you do an when you do a listing, you put a you put a cap on the most money you can get unless it gets into a bidding. So in her case, it was what three hundred ninety five thousand was the listing. Yeah. Okay. And but in an auction, you don't put a price. You have a reserve, but you don't put a price. So with the activity that we have. With these multiple offers, it gives the seller an opportunity to make maybe more, more money than they would if they just actually listed it for a certain price. So we're, we're excited. We haven't done one, but we're excited to experiment with that. Uh, it's something new. I, I've never heard of that. I've done probably 40, 50 auctions over the years. I've joint ventured with one of our local uh, auction firms here in the area, uh, actually an ALC like myself, uh, Del Pulp. And when I had properties that, you know, 
needed to be auctions for whatever reason, then Dell and I would work on those together and quite frankly, been very successful. Uh, there is a need for auctions and uh, it's uh, another vehicle, another means of being able to sell your property. Lou, we'll take a sponsorship break here. When we come back, we're going to talk specifically about multi-parcel auctions and how those can impact the land market. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll slip away here from our sponsors for just a few minutes and stay tuned for more with Lou Jewell and Teresa Martin. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com. The way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. And we're back in the studio with Lou Jewell and Teresa Martin. Hey, while we were on break and, and just before we took off, we were talking about multi-parcel bidding and how multi-parcel bidding can enhance land properties by taking something that is, uh, it doesn't always have to be a huge tract. It could be 10 acres of development land and breaking it into one and a half or two acre parcels, but it allows those consumers to bid on it in any form or fashion that they deem, you know, is in their best interest. They can buy what they want to buy. Obviously, we know when you take something large and you make it smaller, typically the price per acre goes up because you're dealing with less capital to purchase the property and and they can pay more per acre for that because they're not buying the entire piece. But uh, Lou, tell us, uh, and Teresa, tell us about multi-parcel auctions. And you had mentioned something about uh, a flex program out there that you have implemented that seems to work well also. Tell us what you kind of what you see in your area about subdividing properties like that. Well, we always work off what we learn in the Realtors Land Institute in our classes, highest and best use. Every property has the highest and best use. Some have more than one use. Some have only one use. But with that in mind, what I did was years ago, I started taking uh, large tracts of land and creating inventory. So if 10 and 20 acres was our bread and butter acreage, you know, it's hard to sell that 50, 80, 100, 150 acre tract. But if I would take that, track and I would break it up on paper 
Uh, we use MapRite. I'll put a plug in for them, incredible mapping service. And, uh, and I'll look at the highest and best use, the accessibility, the infrastructure, the features, and I'll create, as long as we stay 10 acres or more in our market area, and each, each jurisdiction has different requirements, we don't have to get the government involved. Now, what's unique about this is you put it out there, you got track A, track B, C, D, et cetera, with the acreage, and you put a price on it. And when a buyer comes, let's say we had a 25-acre track, okay, and uh, they get out there and they say, well, I want a little bit more road frontage, or could I get 28 acres, or could I just buy 20 acres? So the buyers, and this is crazy, but the buyers get to design the property as opposed to here's a corner, here's a corner, here's a corner, take it or leave it. So I call it flex property. And uh, the last project that I did was valued uh, by a good land appraiser at $4,250 an acre or $600,000. I broke it up into six, seven parcels, and I ended up making 17.8% more for the seller than wow. what they would have gotten just selling it as a whole. So that kind of lends itself to multi-par. Let's, let's say I put that same track of land on the market. We could do a multi-par auction with that concept, okay, without, there's certain counties, they allow us to do an auction sale on a paper breakup, and then you have to obviously provide the survey later for deeds and transfer. So uh, that's the type of thing that lends itself to multi-par in some way, in fact, it's breaking it up. I love it. I think that's a great concept. And, and tell me the name of that again, Flex. I just named it myself. I call it Flex Property. I put it in brackets, and I put... Uh, Flex dash property in brackets, and I put a little uh, copyright beside of it, but I, it's not copyrighted. It's just the, what I named it. I call it flex property. Huh. Well, and I think I it's to my students all over the country have for years. Well, I think it's a great concept. You know, the multi parcel bidding platform that's been implemented uh, for many years in in land to me in in the right settings. And I'm a big believer as an auctioneer in not overcomplicating auctions. I think sometimes we overthink things. And I got a lesson in this. I'll give you an example. Years ago, back in Oklahoma, we had a property. I knew it was a development property right on the outside of the city that uh, the town that I lived in. I went in, you know, with all of my years of experience as a young 30 year old guy or less. And I went in and I subdivided that into these tracks. And I got very low participation in that auction, knowing the developers in the area, I said, guys, this is prime real estate. And he said, yeah, I agree. And I said, why are you not participating? And they said, because of the way you have it carved up, we can't use it. And they started talking about where the utilities come into the property. They talked about the way the water drains off the property, ingress and egress, where the, the street and the cul-de-sac would come in. They said, you've got this just you've got it all bass backwards of how we would develop this property if we were to buy it. And I screwed the sell up. Because I tried to overthink it. One of the guys was about 80 years old, and, and he's he's dead now, but I have a lot of respect for him as a developer. He said, why don't you stay in the auction business and let me stay in the developing business? He said, give, me a, give me a product that I can bid on. And he said, I would have probably spent plenty of money to satisfy everybody on this, but I just can't take the risk of buying it and have somebody buy the heart out of this and then I'm stuck with uh, an issue. So life lesson. You know, sometimes we can try to implement a strategy that um, is, is maybe not in the best interest of the sale. I think we have a tendency to overcomplicate it. But more often than not, if there 
is a larger tract and there's some development opportunity people that maybe are looking for 10 acre or 20 acre tracks to build a little homestead on and there's a there's some demand for that carving those off the edge of the pieces out there and they have street access and and offering those i think it definitely can enhance the marketability of the property it's going to drive the price even higher than uh buying it you know as the aggregate as the entire property so we uh we utilize that strategy quite a bit for multi-parcel bidding, and it's always good to hear new techniques like you just identified also. Well, people say they're not making land anymore, and I beg to differ with them. I've been making land for over 30 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, real estate's inventory. I tell Teresa and all my students, it's a store. You walk in the store, you've got a one-acre lot on this shelf. you got a five-acre lot on that shelf. you got a 50-acre lot on that shelf. Well, at certain periods of time, you run out of inventory. You run out of the good quality 10 acre tracks or 20. What you've been selling is your bread and butter. So with this flex property, you go out and you take one listing and you turn it into six or seven. And I've had as many as 32 uh, on a 700 acre track with four miles of road frontage on three roads. So I made 32 tracks out of it and sold it twice, almost twice what it was worth by doing so. Because less is more, but I also kept my inventory up there. How much timberland do you see in your area, marketable timberland? Quite a bit. We're uh, mostly hardwoods. We're a uh, multi-varietal. We do have the planted pines. Of course, if you go to the eastern part of the state, you know, it's all pines down there. You don't have the hardwoods. But in the uh, Piedmont and especially uh, uh, western Piedmont, we've just about every track. I mean, we have good varietal timber. So, uh, you know, I, I sell it. I've bought and sold a lot of property where I actually go uh, get a timber deed. So I've got the uh, money in escrow with the attorney's office. And then I turn around and and maybe finance the balance of it and, of course, sell the trees off of it. When I'm doing development, I don't like clear cut. I do select cut. I don't usually cut. Let them cut anything less than 14 inches. It doesn't mess it up that much. You know, timber's cash, and that's what I tell my clients. You know, I try to educate Teresa, all of our agents here, and to educate their buyers. You know, when you're buying land, you're buying an investment. You need to utilize and, and maximize the potential of that property. You know, people talk about flipping houses all the time, but based on the things Lou just said, you can flip land, mm-hmm. you know, you can make well, money. Yeah. Yeah. Lou, do you find that um, select cuts out there versus clear cutting? Is that more prominent with hardwoods than it is with, uh, with pine plantations? Yes, it is. In pine plantations, you do thinning, which is a different process. You know, you come in, you take every fifth row out or, you know, like during the growing period, about 30 years, you may do it like twice, sometimes three times. And you'll get some cash flow for that. But when you're doing a hardwood forest, uh, you know, you're looking at from the time a hardwood seedling comes out of the ground for most species until it fully matures is 80 years. Well, that's one person's lifetime. Yes, sir. So, uh, you know. What do you find the predominant hardwoods out there in your area? And I'm sure it's a variety, but it, walnut, oaks, you know, what What do you see kind of typically in that county or that area? Poplar is the most abundant tree that we have here you know when you cut it in the winter solstice it'll grow back it's one of the few trees that'll grow back on the stump it may grow back six or seven or eight stems off of it that'll you know be like the world trade center towers after years but poplar is used in furniture uh, especially we ship a lot of that out of the country but we get you know we also have the red oaks the black oaks the white oaks are very popular and then some of the other variety trees but those are the four poplar and your three varieties of oaks are your most sought after 
And how's the timber market for hardwoods right now? I assume with this economy and the housing boom we have that uh, the, the timber markets are pretty good because I see new homes being built, you know, all over the country. But how's, how's the hardwood market? For the last couple of years, it's been about as high as it's been in a long time. Uh, what's been kind of weak is the softwood. Uh, but they're, they're still higher than they were, but they're not competing with the hardwood market currently. Tell your friends you get your information on the Sale Ring Podcast Show. Very good. So we've talked about timberland in your area, um, other property types that are kind of mainstays right there in uh, in that part of the country, agricultural farms. I don't know what uh, production that you see in that area. What about ranching, maybe cattle ranches? We have a lot of people that raise, raise cows, uh, but they're not cattle ranches. And they'll usually have anywhere from 25. You may find a bigger farmer might have 200, you know, again, on like a 50-acre track or 100-acre track. In terms of our crops, it's uh, obviously tobacco, North North Carolina, and soy and uh, corn. Those three are the rotation crops. We've gotten to some specialty. I've sold, actually, uh, three truffle farms, which Truffles. is kind of interesting. And viticulture, we have over 100 wineries now. We're fast-growing, uh, one of the top viticulture and because of our soils and our climates, we're producing grapes that, uh, and wines that you wouldn't believe. I mean, it'll compete with the uh, international. And hemp is starting to yeah, and hemp now. make it yeah, appearance. We're doing a lot of hemp farms now. Truffles are a kind of mushroom, right? You said truffle farming. Yeah, it grows under the ground. I yeah, thought, yeah, on, I, I thought they on, were like mostly in caves. Tree. And yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's inoculated in the, in the root system when the tree's a, mm-hmm. a plant. And, um, and it takes, uh, for the filbert, it takes 15 years. And for the oak, it takes 30 years before you produce, or nine years on the filbert and 20 years on the oak. And they actually, uh, the, the truffles actually grow on the roots. And historically, they had pigs. The pigs could tell because yep. these things yep. have a very short shelf life. So they, and now they have dogs that they're trying. Uh, that's what I was about they, to say. Uh, what do they, they do now? Just dogs? Nice. Get the beagles yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. There you go. And it's a commodity. It's pre-sold. Uh, you know, white truffles are usually $1,000 to $1,500 a pound. And then your black truffles are twice that. Yeah. Well, I've learned something. I thought truffles were chocolate. Well, well yeah. <laughs> they make those too, Teresa. And I love those as well. Sean, have you ever had truffles? Like truffle sauce or anything like that? No. It's delicious. It's really rich and it's good. I'm strictly a brown gravy sauce kind of guy. <laughs> Get the gravy packets out and <laughs> the uh, bacon drippings. <laughs> nope, totally different thing. <laughs> Man, lots and lots of content in this show. This is this has been this has been a wonderful episode, all the way from uh, land education to radio shows to auctions to truffles, truffles, and yeah. truffle dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's great to have you folks on the show, Lou and uh, Teresa. How do the listeners find you if they have more questions? And I would like for you to give another plug on Let's Talk Land Radio Show. Tell them one more time how they can find that show and how they can reach you folks. You can reach us at Spotify or Podbeam at letstalkland.net. You can go to WKTE1090. Dot com. Dot com. And do the Spotify. <laughs> yeah, and, do the sp- and download the Spotify. Or Simple Radio app, I'm sorry. Simple Radio app, you can listen live. And then our website's www.letstalkland.net. Nice. And all of our information is on the website to get in touch with Teresa and myself, United Country 
uh, real estate, Sutton Properties, named it for my grandchildren. Nice. Outstanding. Well, Lou, Jewel, Teresa Martin, thank you folks so much for being on the uh, podcast show with Trina and I today. It is wonderful to have you on here, and it's a great uh, amount of information. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of, uh, of our podcast show, and we look forward to seeing you next time inside the sale ring. This episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesalering.com now. That's www.thesalering.com.